Book Three, Chapter Nine of Saint Francis of Assisi, a Biography, by Johannes Jornson, translated by Thomas O'Connor Sloan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Three, God Singer, Chapter Nine, Saint Francis and Learning. Two years passed before the final rule of the order was finished. In September 1221, Caesarius left and with his missionaries went to Germany, and first on November 29, 1223, Honorius III, with his bull Solet Annuary, gave his ratification to the rule. Between these two dates lies a whole series of events, of which unfortunately there is left to us no satisfactory account but during which there seems to have developed a great opposition between francis on the one side and brother elias bombarone and his adherents on the other side ugolin in this dispute had the difficult task of being intermediator and as far as possible of pacifying both parties for in order to understand the core of the dispute one must realize what a development the new order had experienced in the last year on his resignation francis had certainly preserved for himself a definite position of authority at the pentecost chapter of twelve twenty one for example it was he who sent out the german missionaries and there are other indications that he always sat there with an authority by no means small francis meanwhile had never been addicted to exercising any real compulsion he wished rather to reach the goal with the good than with the bad says jordanus if he could not carry through his wish then in god's name he did not wish to rave and domineer like the powers of this world if he did not succeed in making the brothers do their duty then he comforted himself by being personally doubly dutiful wills more energetic had full sway over a man of this disposition of mind first and foremost was elias of bombarone or as he was called later elias of cortona a will of this stamp but behind him stood others who supported him and were on his side against francis one of them we know by name it was brother petrus statia from bologna the others appear on the records only under the title ministers by which are meant more especially the superiors of the italian provinces or as the franciscan expression has it ministry of these provinces i mentioned bologna above and in doing so i named the centre of the opposition which within the order itself appeared against francis there was from old times a connection between the franciscans and the celebrated university town as early as twelve twelve bernard of quintavalle had preached there and in twelve thirteen this friar minor settled in a house which was called la pugliole just outside the porta galliera a number of the most important men within the ranks of the new order had studied in bologna among them francis's two first vicars pietro de catani and elias and most of the following generals of the order johannes parenti iman of faversham crescentius of Yezi, john of parma it has been told already 
that the university professor nicholas of Epoli, who from the beginning had been the advocate and benefactor of the order eventually entered it himself a Curtius called the great at about the same time bequeathed to the order his villa la ricardina outside the town where the first convent was soon found to be too small and finally peter of statia opened a house of study for franciscans like the theological school opened in bologna by the dominicans but this was displeasing to francis all his life he had been an idiota as he used to call himself an ignorant man he had nothing against studies and sabatier is wrong when he ascribes to francis a definite opposition to wisdom in the form of an admonition he once had the following written all theologians and those who serve us with god's word we should honor and revere because they give us the spirit and life this study should have a principal object however it ought to serve the proclamation of the divine word accordingly only few books were required in prayer that which grips the heart is the best to learn francis himself liked to read the holy scriptures his works show this but as he grew older it seemed to him that he had read enough even of god's word and that for the rest of his life he had enough to do in pondering over it and in practicing it for and it was to this his thought always reverted example is the best preaching he recognized well in his rule three classes of members predicatores oratores laboratories and he placed the preachers above those who prayed and those who worked but he says also all brothers ought to preach by their actions and he goes on to warn against the wisdom of this world and against those who are all word and do nothing against those who try to seem not to be as for myself he declares at last i know jesus christ and him crucified that is enough for me a tale is preserved for us in the speculum perfectionis which belongs to this time and which gives the clearest possible illustration of francis's attitude as regards useless and injurious book learning a young novice had received permission from brother elias to have a copy of david's psalms and to read them when he came to know that it was not pleasing to francis that his brothers should be eager after learning and books he wished for his conscience's sake in reading his psalter to have also francis's permission to own it to his request for this francis replied the emperor charles roland holger and all the other heroes fought with the heathen with much sweat and labor and conquered them and were at last holy martyrs and fell in the strife for the faith of christ but in these days there are many who only by telling and preaching about what the saints have done want to win reputation and glory the young novice was not satisfied with this answer but still forced his request upon francis francis looked up he sat with the other brothers by the fire warming himself and answered my son once you have got the psalter then you will want a breviary when you have got a breviary you will want to sit in the high seat like a great prelate and say to thy brothers 
bring me my bravery and displeased and filled with anxious thoughts of the future prospects of his order he reached down into the warm ashes spread a handful upon the head of the brother so fond of reading rubbed the ashes around as if he were washing his head and called out again and again i am thy bravery i am thy bravery brother said francis next as he sat down somewhat quieter even i have been tempted to collect books but as i did not know god's will about these things i took the book of gospels and prayed god to let me know his will and i opened the book and at once found these words to you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of god but to the rest in parables francis was silent for a moment and then added there are so many in our days who want to seek wisdom and learning that happy is he who out of love for the lord our god makes himself ignorant and unlearned undoubtedly francis was right in thinking that the time in which he lived was more eager after learning than almost any other epoch not less than seventy new universities were established in the course of the half-century from twelve hundred to twelve fifty of these eight in italy alone reggio vicenza padua naples vercelli rome piacenza arezzo the three great and earlier established universities in paris bologna and oxford reached at the same time their full development and the powerful uplift in knowledge began which characterized the later middle ages in this movement the dominicans took part from the beginning it stood in their statutes inherited from the augustinian choirmasters now the friars minor were to be drawn along in the same tendency of the day and it was here that francis for the first time seriously set himself in opposition here he showed himself as in the vision brother leo had with claws and outstretched wings defending his order francis's wrath first was excited by peter Stacia and his house of study in bologna certainly peter had not established it by his own hand but in cooperation with ugolin who in twelve twenty was in bologna and had himself recorded as owner of the requisite building francis at once travelled thither ordered the brothers to leave the house in the name of obedience even one of them who lay sick had to go out and took his own abode among the dominicans here the brothers sought him and promised penance and amendment with the exception of peter Stacia, whom the otherwise so cheerful francis is said to have cursed a curse he never to the day of his death was willing to take back it was not only evangelical simplicity which francis found to have been impaired by peter it was also evangelical poverty and therefore was francis so inflexible how was it possible to be a good friar minor if one had to buy great fine learned expensive books and have big fine costly houses to keep them in was it not written in the gospel and therefore also in the rule of the order take nothing with you on the way i understand these words thus said francis that the brothers ought to have nothing except a habit with a rope 
and underclothing and shoes as much as is necessary what shall i do a minister once asked him i have books that are worth more than fifty pounds of silver for the sake of your books i will not disobey the books of the gospel which i have promised to follow as my guide answered francis therefore he did not neglect to insert in the ideal picture of a general of the order which he once produced the minor but essential trait and he must not be a collector of books but more will was needed to carry through this fight than francis possessed it was the others those who were not content to honor wisdom at a distance but wanted to have a part in it who were the stronger if brother leo is to be trusted elias and his party even made a direct attempt to have the rule written by francis invalidated and to accept in its stead the dominican's rule for example in which study occupied a much more prominent place at a chapter of the order perhaps in twelve twenty two or twelve twenty three they secured ugoline for their plan francis heard the carefully framed remarks of the cardinal without answering he seized his hand drew him out among the assembled brothers and cried out in a loud voice my brothers my brothers the lord called me to travel the paths of humility and simplicity and with me all those who want to follow and copy me do not then speak to me either of the rule of saint benedict or of saint augustine or of saint bernard or of any other for the lord said to me that he wished me to be a fool and a simpleton the like of which was never seen before and that he wished to bring us on another road than that of wisdom but god wants to put you all to shame with your wisdom and knowledge and i expect that he will send his master of discipline and punish you so that whether you will or not you must with shame turn back to your place was francis justified in his fear of knowledge it is true what the apostle says knowledge puffeth up but charity edifieth but it is also true what has been said in our day that this word must often cover over something far different from holiness purely and simply to seek the truth and nothing but the truth is also a cultivation of god and the disinterested seeking of truth exercises a strengthening and purifying influence on the entire moral being of man to be open to all truth is in reality a sign of a will open to all good it is with justice that the apostle speaks in another place of the holiness of truth he knew that holiness in the will is a fruit of truth in thought and that only the full disposition for truth is the full disposition for holiness what most displeased francis was perhaps in his innermost heart the pride of intelligence egoism the perversion of wisdom to a means of flattering the vanity of the ego he did not desire that man should adorn himself with wisdom so as to be looked at and esteemed of men it was much better he felt to fall on the knees and pray to god for your fellow-men alone and unknown in a grotto or a hermitage high up among the mountains than in a cathedral with a soul full of vanity over what a fine fellow one is 
these are my knights of the round table francis was in the habit of saying with one of the wonted expressions from the days of his youthful knighthood mania who live far away in desert places in prayer and meditation and weep over their own and the sins of others and live in simplicity and humbly for when their souls will go before the lord then will the lord show them the fruit and recompense for their work namely many souls whom they by their examples prayers and tears have saved my dear sons he will say others preached with their learned words but i saved souls by your merits take the payment for your work and the fruit of your merits which is the eternal kingdom of heaven but those who have not troubled themselves about anything else than to know and to show the way to others and have done nothing for themselves they must stand naked and empty and to their shame before the judgment seat of christ to this illustration which francis was accustomed to give the brethren at the general chapters he was accustomed to add an extract from the first book of samuel chapter two verse five the baron hath borne many and she that had many children is weakened prayer and life in its entirety not words or theory was for francis the essential in spite of everything the essential on which he and his brothers especially had to depend others might take the way that pleased them he neither condemned nor criticized them as little as he condemned or criticized those who went in gay and costly clothes he believed that he knew only what it was that he and his were called to make straight on the earth and if he finally as some think gave anthony of padua whose portuguese university acquirements had been discovered and were to be utilized permission to teach theology to the brothers in bologna and it certainly happened in the form preserved by tradition to my dearest brother antonius greeting in christ from brother francis it pleases me that thou readest theology for the brothers provided they do not for the sake of this study give up their prayers and slacken the spirit of devotion as it stands in the rule farewell francis here alludes to the final rule in which this precept is found in the fifth chapter this chapter may have then stood in the rule but the rule as a whole may not have been as yet accepted and recognized it was first on november twenty ninth twelve twenty two that it was so accepted and anthony left bologna in twelve twenty four to go to montpellier if his lectures may have extended over any considerable space of time they must have begun earlier and it would seem probable that this permission was given in the summer of twelve twenty two when francis is known to have been in bologna anthony at the time was stopping in forli in the province of romagna to which also the learned university city belonged that francis moreover in spite of all internal changes in his order continued to be greeted by the people with the same inspiration as before and that his simple sermons even in the learned bologna had made the deepest impression is made known to us by an eye-witness's tale in thomas of spilato's historia pontificum salonitanorum et spalatensium 
which was written before 1268, the author gives the following. The same year, that is 1222, on the holiday of the Assumption, August 15, as I was a student in Bologna, I saw St. Francis preach in the marketplace in front of the courthouse, where nearly all the town were gathered. But the beginning of his sermon was, Angels, Men, Devils. He now spoke so well and skillfully on these three kinds of reasonable spirits that many learned men who were present were not a little astonished to hear an unlearned man, Idiote, speak thus. But the whole theme of his discourse was to assuage enmities and to create peace. His habit was dirty, his appearance insignificant, his face not handsome. But God gave his word such power that many noble families, between whom there was much old-time enmity and spilled blood, allowed themselves to be induced to make peace, and all felt such great devotion and reverence for him, that men and women in crowds precipitated themselves upon him and tried to tear off bits of his habit or even to touch the hem of his garment. It is impossible to read without emotion this old account by one who himself had seen and heard St. Francis. It seems as if Francis first wanted to impose upon his learned audience a little in choosing so academic a theme as the different kinds of intelligent beings, angels, men, devils. But soon it was the old Francis again. The preacher disappeared. The people's speaker remained. And then did his words seize, attack, and inspire for God, just as in the old days in Assisi or Arezzo, or when he established peace between the wolf of Gubbio and the citizens of the town. Old hatreds were written in the book of Leth, death and assassinations were stricken from the tablets, hands were clasped in forgiveness for recent bloodshed. Near as he was to his death, Francis was the same as on the first day, when he stood upon the steps in the marketplace of Assisi to exhort to peace. He is still the herald of the great king, and his message is exactly the same as fifteen years before. It is the greeting Jesus himself had taught. Dominus det tibi pacem. The Lord give thee peace. End of Book 3 Chapter 9